Hi, and welcome to the Saxophone Academy podcast. I'm Dr. Wally Wallace. And I'm Dr. Susan Fancher. And today we are talking about... Preparing for a recording session. Ooh, you got to do that because, you know, yeah. time and money. Are you nervous? Uh, you got one coming up. Um, I, I, and Now I'm going to be nervous. Yeah. I wasn't until you asked me <laughs> if I was nervous. We'll I'm, talk I'm, you off yes. the ledge. <laughs> Yay. Hope you enjoyed the episode. <laughs> Hey, Sue. Hey, Wally. We've How you a, doing? I'm, I haven't seen you for forever. I know. Jeez. You doing well? I'm doing great. You got a, you're leaving my studio here. I am. Which, by the way, have you, have you seen the, the the new studio like behind you? I wanted to go for it's a- It's so cool. This is the, I'm calling this the Sex Fun Academy Incubator. It's a place where we can awesome. come and, and form ideas. Okay. And just brainstorm. And the vibe I'm trying to go for is uh, David Attenborough meets Andy Warhol. Nice. Um, I'll post a picture online. I'm not posting a picture. <laughs> no, but it's looking great in oh, here. It's so comfortable. More inspiring now. Okay. So it, it always seemed inspiring to me, but you know, you spend a lot more time here than I do. So you need it to that, be. That makes a sense good that, I, that, I, that I spend more time in my house than. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of does. <laughs> Sheesh. Yeah. So we've got a listener question. Yes. But um, first, we're going to talk about um, preparing for recording because you've got, tell, tell everyone what you've been up to and what, what's going on. Okay, well, this recording session today is with the wonderful Chompy String Quartet of Duke University, and we are recording a second movement, which is really a first movement, hmm. anyway, of a piece written by Scott Lindroth. Wait, no, I mean, you can't just- so he wrote, he wrote a movement of this piece. He wrote this piece called Sly Road, and we recorded it last year. And then he was so inspired by the composition, but also at the same time thought it wasn't quite finished. So he wrote another movement, but it's the first movement that he wrote now. So what we played last year is going to be the second movement. So he's now composed uh, an introductory movement. Yeah, we just Ten go- more minutes of so music. So he, he made a prequel. He made a prequel. Okay. Exactly. So, so we're going to record the prequel So hopefully it doesn't have today. like uh, Yoda doing backflips like the prequel um, um, Star Wars movies. Which I just think it's ter- got the sax player I doing backflips. Back I hope he didn't <laughs> add a Jar Jar Binks is what I'm saying. Uh, I know. And, uh, I know. Misa no yeah. likes this movement. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like okay. that character very much either. That's okay. funny. A lot of but us don't. But Scott Lindroth, we, we do like. Yeah. So I love re- Scott Lindroth. You're recording this. Yeah. Today. And you lost your mind recently. I lost my mind. Tell me. I'm really kind of blown away by this tell 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 our listener what what you've decided to do before this recording session it's kind of weird very weird for for you for you very strange yeah so so of course the thing you do for a recording session is you study the piece as much as possible you rehearse Eh. as much as possible you practice as much as possible you listen to your you know previous performances and you Eh. figure out oh goodness i'm doing that really okay so all of that check 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 but but like just like a week not even ten days ago, but like the a one thing week you would ago. never do before. A oh, you would session. never change equipment. I would, but, <laughs> but but you are a sane, sound, consistent person. Uh, you you give me and a so, lot of credit there. <laughs> it's true. So you are the voice of reason, and like so normally you. Did what? What are you doing? Well, this is crazy. So it is crazy. And I'm I'm as shocked as you are. So a week ago, it was really not more than a week ago. I was complaining to my husband, Mark. I was like, oh my gosh, like I hate my sound. I hate my vibrato. I I'm, I don't like my tuning. Like the response is a mess. And I'm just like, good grief. And then I thought, huh, when was the last time I changed mouthpieces on my soprano? And I couldn't remember. So it's got to be at least five years since the last right. time. I SL3, Vendoran SL3? Yep. Okay. Yep. Great and, mouthpiece. And you know that they're super consistent. Yes. Those mouthpieces are super consistent. And I know that. So I thought, 
I wonder if I should just change mouthpieces. I tried washing the mouthpiece and that didn't really make any difference. <laughs> so then I decided, because I never do that either, which is really gross, right. I know. Um, unless I've been sick then, of course. But anyway, so I, you know, I have a spare SL3 sitting in a in a drawer. And so I go and I get it out. And I'm like, ooh, a new mouthpiece. This is cool. I put a fresh new mouthpiece patch on it and I slap it on my soprano with the, you know, I actually didn't put a new read on. This is what's really stunning. I took one of the reeds that I've been playing on after this whole spiel about how if you try a new mouthpiece, you got to try new reeds. Well, okay, the disclaimer is the reeds that I've been playing on on my soprano lately are pretty new. I threw out a whole bunch of reeds because okay. I was getting such lousy response. I thought, okay, I must need to break in some new reeds. That was plan A, right? So I broke in a started conditioning, conditioning. or started conditioning a whole bunch of new reeds. I was only two or three days into that, and I was like, I am just, what is going on with my playing? I mean, the horn has been worked on. What, what am I doing wrong? Am I just tired? Not not practicing enough, not warming up properly. All of that probably true. Right. And so I put on this new mouthpiece with one of the reeds that I've been playing on the old mouthpiece. And, huh, it sounds better. It responds better. I get the tuner out. Huh, the tuning's better. How is that? How, Why? Is the tuning suddenly better? Is it psychosomatic or is it because it feels better? Go figure. So I'm I'm feeling really good now. You know, Van Doren. Knock on wood. Uh, knock on wood. So you you broke a couple cardinal rules here. Which, I did. Uh, just kind of really going back oh, on all the advice man. we've given over the years. Um, right? Well, in fairness, yeah, you, um, Van Doren, they, they're not doing compression molding or mold injecting of their mouthpieces. They're doing milling. So it's a, it's a chunk of bar stock rubber and then uh, robots mill it, probably on a seven axis machine, if I had to guess. I'll yeah, take your word for it. <laughs> I'm making up stuff as I they know, go along. Sounds impressive. No, I mean, like, so my mouthpiece, <laughs> the, the premium version of my mouthpiece is milled by Theo Wane. Yeah. And it's on, I believe, a five or seven axis machine and it's robots, it's programmed. And I gotta say, so I have five of them of my mouthpiece. Uh, I will say that was the neatest part of my career is getting five premium hard rubber mouthpieces that like, I'm set, I'm set. Yeah. And, but I, I can't tell them apart. They're so consistent. Yeah. And Van Doren is, so I'm not that surprised right. that the reeds you've been using on Me a, either. Yeah. And they were relatively new reeds too. So right. they weren't like- They're still pliable. They're still pliable. Yeah. Exactly. You can you can condition them to the new, like clockwork orange style. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you peel open their eyes and like make them watch them. Yeah. <laughs> And I did start a bunch of new reads there with this go. new mouthpiece too. Okay, so you're all ready for the recording. So you broke all the conventions of conventional wisdom, and now you're ready to go have a recording session. Yeah, I think. Of course, now I'm nervous. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> no, but I have practiced these licks and practiced these licks, and and um, I can't miss them in my practice session. But it's funny how you get with other players. Oh, yeah. you know this phenomenon exactly. You know exactly what I'm going right. to say, right? It, the red light goes on, and I slowly start to unlearn to play the saxophone. Exactly. It, or I'm sitting in rehearsal with these guys, and I'm so busy listening to everything they're doing and lining right. up and tuning and trying to, like, learn from them and, and feed them things that I want the music to do. And then, like, a lick will just, like, I'll fall off the horn, you know? And I'm like, what the heck? And so I go back home, and I drill, and I drill, and I drill. I'm like, okay, I got it. I mean, I've played it 100 times perfectly. And then I go to the next rehearsal, and it's like, flub the same stupid lick. And it's like, uh, why? <laughs> for me, recording sessions, uh, it's the break, the solo break. So, like, when I'm playing with the sun, and I, it's... Do -do 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 -ba -do -ba -ba. No prob. <laughs> no, no, sorry, guys. Let's do another take. But... <laughs> <laughs> and 
<laughs> like, like my mind goes blank. I know. And so like it's I will have then. I will have two like memorized solo breaks to get me in because yeah. like yeah when the, the oh, for real when the drummer does that hit and then looks at you it's just kind of like yeah, well, my, and mine aren't even memorized they're written down and yeah. I've played them a hundred times I, don't I know wish I had <laughs> solo break mind when I was meditating because it's mm. nothing is blanker than that <laughs> but like when I'm meditating yeah yeah all those good ideas crazy bugs but going the minute there's with. a solo break and I got to get into my solo then it's just like chirp chirp <laughs> cricket well I would I would no I would I would like having a cricket there's nothing. <laughs> It's utter blank. It's, I it's truly, it. I have transcendent yeah. mind during solo breaks. I it gets easier. The more you do it, it gets easier. So, what, but, are, you, so anyway. what are you doing to prepare for this recording session other than doing the changing equipment? Well, before? a lot of rehearsals and a lot of practicing. I practice things. Um, I realize that part of what trips me up on some of these licks is the tempo may not be exactly the tempo that I've practiced it as. So I've practiced those licks now a little slower and a little faster. That is so fast. Yeah. So talk about that. Why is that important? Because, uh, well, hold on, Scott Lindroth marked this at 138. Why mm. would you not just practice this at 138? So right, exactly. Why? Because in the heat of the moment, some sections might be a little faster, some might be a little slower. I mean, it's ah. live music, man. And you know what? We're not playing with the drum track here. This is living, breathing music. So... Yeah. If you want a drum track, I can make one. I got, <laughs> I got, sure. the, I got the software. Uh, yeah, you got so, it. So <laughs> you know, that's a great point that like practicing at a variety of tempos, because also I'm, I'm sure you've seen this in the heat of the moment when you get together with a pianist. Things, oh, yeah. Things push. We've talked about this before yeah, with things, my students. Like the first time they get together with the pianist, they're like, but but, but I was just, I was doing that just fine in my practice room. Right. I don't know why I missed them. like, Dude, I'm telling you, it doesn't, or do that, doesn't matter. You, student, it doesn't matter how great you were playing it in the practice room. When you right. get together with the pianist, I mean, you're going to miss stuff. First time I get together with my pianist, when I've I've prepared, I've got piano cues in my part, I am good to go. I've listened to recordings, and I get there, and there's part of your mind is busy doing something else. Panicking, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and listening to the yeah. other person. So that yeah. is a, I always try to calm them down and say, that is a normal thing. Right. It happens to everybody. And I say, hey, your pianist is also missing things because they're listening to you. But they're, you know, the student's so inside their own head that they're not right. paying attention to the fact that the pianist is flubbing stuff too. You ever early in your, in your career, like play a recital with piano and during the interlude, all of a sudden you realize like, I, I have no idea what I zoned out. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a terrifying feeling. It's terrifying. You're counting and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Was it four bars or five bars? And wait, I don't know where they are. Yeah. And they might have flubbed or you might okay, have miscounted. Yeah. They're rolling a chord and looking at me. That's They're a good. They're still rolling a chord and looking at that's me. That's a hint. Yeah. Well, they just play the same line again. They're yeah. looking at me. What do I do? What do I do? Maybe I should play. Yeah. Should I play or should I wait? You talk about in the, we train for, we, we prepare what we can, but we need this flexibility. I think of the same thing with tuning, so which is why I always tell my students, mm. don't look at the tuner with the needle or the little spinning disc in the smiley face if you're using software. Meaning, because you're training your eyes like, well, I'm, I practice with the tuner, I'm A440. Well, guess what, Chuckle Boogie? When you, I, Chuckle Boogie, I, I tried. <laughs> you just made I, that up, I, didn't I, you? Well, I have, I have a, a more crass, chuckle oh. <laughs> and i was like i changed it on the fly and I'm like chuckle boogie what <laughs> oh gosh i hope that doesn't catch on uh, do you, yeah do you, <laughs> it's <laughs> that, been a long day a, already it's not a saying. but i'll say like you know like if like look man if you ever if you ever go play a, a solo with a local high school band you spend on your time <laughs> making the needle hit a440 you're gonna oh have a God. bad time 
Yeah, it's you play sound, with high school bands, Oh, right? man, you got to be a little bit more flexible yeah. than you that. You go to that high school auditorium. It's 150 degrees, filled oh, with mouth-breathing parents. We love the parents. Yeah, of but course. But it's hot. The players are hot. They tuned their instruments cold. They pushed their mouthpieces in to be in tune cold. They're warmed up. They're in the hot auditorium, packed in like, like sardines. Yeah. It ain't sitting at A440. Well, and anyway, there's so many of them. They're not all at the same place, no matter what it is. So yeah. you have well, to the, find that kind center, of center. Oh, yeah. There's... Mm. Uh, I think it was, um, I think Tim McAllister talked about that uh, when I interviewed him was saying that basically you've got to get, you know, the first time you play a concerto, you're going to, you can't find the pitch center. It's so different than what you expect. And like, it's that rite of passage of going through and feeling absolutely terrible about yourself and not being able to, because yeah. you'll pick one instrument that you hear clearly in your ear and then another section you go over and it's, it's yeah. a hot mess. It's a, it's a learned skill, oh, yeah. but that flexibility, like you're talking about yeah. in tempo, in pitch. Yeah. yeah. So absolutely. Maybe what we need is a metronome that will vary things a little bit when you're not looking. Uh, you know I mean? Just to trip you up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just yeah. to get you used to reality. Yeah. <laughs> the imperfection of reality. <laughs> I saw a masterclass with your teacher. Ah, um, Fred Hemke. Fred Hemke, and uh, the student was playing for. Uh, actually, I'm thinking I may be lying. I think it was Griffin Campbell. Um, anyway, but it was playing with the masterclass and this person was, was playing and it was kind of like really slow. And like, all right, we need yeah. to speed this up. We need to yeah. speed this up. And the player said, oh, sorry. Yeah. The, the batteries have been low in my metronome. Oh, and, oh my God. That's a great comeback. Right. But it's like, that's, yeah. that's not how course metronomes work. Yeah. Right. No, it's not. <laughs> the, but anyway, it's a great the comeback. Volume gets softer. <laughs> nice <laughs> try. The tempo. <laughs> nice try. Yeah, I would, I'd be like the, the spring escaped me exactly. in, in my metronome. You know, what's funny is those old fashioned metronomes with the little the little yeah, triangle yeah. pyramid ones tick when when the wind when the when Those the will. yeah, yeah whatever the you battery call it, when the spring the, if there's a battery involved <laughs> go, click yeah your click, metronome click, gets softer click. not slower <laughs> but I, I would i would love to have like the variable like the, the called the like the the recital heat of the moment setting on a metronome yeah right will mess with the oh tempo my gosh. a little bit some of my students played on a chamber music concert the other day and at the dress rehearsal i told them please 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 Imagine that you're going to take one or two clicks off that tempo, i.e. a little slower. A little slower. Just imagine, I promise you that it's going to be plenty fast if you feel like you're playing it a click slower in a live performance. Right. And it was so fast. It was so fast. And I, I was just like, oh, you can't, you just, it's so hard to keep the tempo under control in a live performance. You know the only thing that's, that's it's scarier. I think I've told this story before, and apologies if I have, but... We're yeah, getting old. We don't remember what I said. So I was my my um, brother in law asked me to play his wedding, and it was very sweet. They asked me to play, and yeah. so I brought the Beethoven Romance transcribed by Frascotti. Oh, beautiful. And it was beautiful, and it's super slow. So I gave the music to the pianist, and she played it so slow. It was like a quarter <gasps> tempo. Oh my and, god! And it was going on, and I was trying to push the tempo, and it wasn't happening. And we were supposed to play just the, we were the, the fir- right thing before the procession where they walked. Oh in. god! <laughs> and it was getting slower, and it was normally oh, like a geez. six minute piece. It was turning to this twelve minute. Oh god! <laughs> like Philip Glass dirge, <laughs> and I could see the wedding partner like looking like out the like, and I was like, I was like, I just <laughs> tapping their watches. I, anyone smarter would just have cadenced. Stopped, bowed, and got off stage. It's really hard, though, if you don't know yeah. the pianist and they don't know your body language. It could be it, really it was, awkward. It was one of those sweet old church pianists. Oh, yeah. And it was one of those pieces where, like, um, so it's an eighth note pulse. Yeah. 
but it was just not something <laughs> that they could really comprehend. No, I remember it was like a section that was like, we kind of feel more of the half note. Okay. I don't remember. Yeah, I whatever, just, yeah. But it was just that, like, so it was basically uh, like half tempo, but not quite. <laughs> and you had to play it. And did you bust a lung? <laughs> it, it wasn't that. It was the uncomfortable feeling of like, I've ruined this wedding ceremony. <laughs> Before it even started. <laughs> because this horrible out of tune church piano that's playing this entire thing, that's stretching the six minute piece into like 15 minutes. And the wedding party is looking from like the little the little uh, four year area, like looking at me, like we need to start this wedding. And <laughs> Giving I, you the cut time And I'm outside. playing bad Beethoven, and it was maybe <laughs> nobody noticed. But and you. it was at least the third most uncomfortable I've been playing this saxophone. <laughs> nobody noticed, but you, I'm sure. Oh no! Everyone knew that. Like, why am I listening to a saxophone play when the wedding should have started? Right. It was terrible. Oh God! <laughs> Every but wedding's got had, its stories. But Sue had, okay. Had had that um. A pianist had the variable <laughs> speed metronome. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been fine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay, so well, put that in your eyes. What else are you file. doing to prepare for, for, for recording? So you're practicing. You're practicing above tempo, below tempo. How yep. are you practicing intonation? Oh, well, I am practicing. Well, I do do some practicing with the metronome tuner with its little needle. But I also just... I. I practice with drones. Drones. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Now, I imagine, like, so a string quartet like Chompy, they're going to play fairly well in tune, I imagine. Beautifully in tune, but their idea, I mean, where they put the pitch, so they tune it 441. And so I've been practicing with my tuner at 441 because I, you know, in band, oh. we do 440. Okay. They do 441. A441. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, don't scoff. <laughs> I'm it works sorry. for them. They sound fantastic. I'm scoffing. And the pianos on Duke stage are okay. all tuned to 441 also in Duke performances. Well, good for Duke. I know, right? Aren't we just a, special? a private institution? I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, speaking of Duke, yesterday was LDOC, last day of classes. That's a part of the reason I'm a little giddy today. Right. So LDOC is last day of classes. No more teaching until the fall. I, yeah. So, <laughs> I love teaching and I love my students. Don't get me wrong, but it's nice to have. Then a why are you, pace. why are you doing the party dance right now? That <laughs> Hey, they are too. They're like, no more lessons with Dr. Fancher. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> we get a break. So anyway, so yeah. the re- how are you structuring the recording session? So um, I think we're starting at one this afternoon and we'll just, we'll just dive into this piece. I think we'll take parts of this movement starting right. from the beginning. We'll probably do, you know, I don't know. We'll probably start with a fairly large section because it's nice to play, you know, like a large section and get into that flow. And then right. if we can get that good enough in, in a single take, great. Otherwise we'll do some patches. So, yeah. Oh, you're going to. Yeah. Well, yeah. So do you know who uh, Judith Sherman is? Mm. Recording engineer and producer mm. flying down from New York. She's no. recording us. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. She did last year. She flew down again today. She's setting up as we speak. She's there in the hall. She's bringing up. her own gear? and A lot using? of it. A lot okay. of it. She'll bring her own. And then they're recording a piece by Anthony Kelly this morning. And then I'll get there at one and we'll record this other piece. I speaking of recording, so I uh, would love to have an episode where we bring on a recording engineer and talk about like the cheap, oh. easy way to record the saxophone. Yeah, because not all of us have. What's this? This what? Judith Sherman. Judith Sherman. She's not, like we don't the all have our deal. equipment. I mean, but when you record, like, so your husband is. I'm not gonna. I don't mean amateur recording engineer because that's not accurate. But I'm like, it's not his full time job. It's not his full time job. He's it, gotten pretty good at it. Yeah, over I the mean, years. He's, yeah. So he's 
I guess you could call him, or he's a professional recording engineer, but he's not his main job. It's not his main so job. So he probably hasn't had the need to invest in hundreds of thousands of dollars of equipment. So do you know, what kind of microphones does he like to use? What do you like on the saxophone? I don't know. I'd, I'd ask him because, you know, I always let the professionals do their thing. So when, you know, when you they set up the mic, and if, if I can tell, okay, this person's not experienced at recording the saxophone, you know, I'll help them a little bit with mic placement. Yeah. Um, but I don't have anything to do with, like, what their mics are, the quality of their mics. But usually with uh, experienced recording engineers, I just keep my mouth shut and do what they tell me to do because they know so much. I mean, this woman is incredible. You know, she comes with an assistant who comes out and places the mic and she listens. Good and gravy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this so this so this is gonna be an awesome recording. The That's first fantastic. the movement we recorded last year, it sounds phenomenal. She knows how to get a great sound on the soprano sax and so I was gonna help yeah. have some useful information as to the placement and the type of microphones, but you are absolutely completely not helpful in this. I'm so. not helpful at all, but all we right. could have Mark on the show sometime and he can he can help you with equipment that that like a normal human being Kinda, could afford yeah, yeah. and and mic placement and things like that yeah, for yeah, the yeah. different kinds of saxophones and he'd probably love to do it. I will say so for for classical one of the um so my um my friend uh Nathan Graybill world famous YouTuber Saxologic. He's like gazillions of views on YouTube. He's a who he's a great classical player, great jazz player. Super nice human being. And so he does great recordings of jazz, but he also does classical. He's getting his DMA in classical right awesome. now. Awesome, yeah. I don't remember the name of school because I'm out of that world. Yeah. But he asked me, he's like, Wally, how do you record classical saxophone? And like, he just hate, hated the way he sounded recording classical. Mm. It's because in jazz, so this is pro tip. Yeah. USM, add a sound clip. Here's a pro tip. Ding. Something like that. <laughs> so so he um, was, like a lot of us record jazz on condenser microphones. Okay. So the condenser microphones are powered. They use phantom power. That's not as exciting as it sounds. It's basically like a low energy signal that your your input gives your microphone. And so that picks up a lot of detail, a lot of the bright end, a lot of just kind of room noise, hiss and fuzz, and key noise galore. Now, for yeah. jazz players, it's okay. It's not that they don't like key, or it's not that they like key noise, but it's 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 dynamically different than yeah. classical. Yeah. So classical, so I would like to, anyone who thinks like when they listen to their classical recording, you buy a nice condenser microphone and you're good to go, Classical, most of the people I know that really love the way they sound on their recordings have great ex uh, with ribbon microphones. Yeah. And so just a heads up out there to, to anyone who wants to record classical saxophone on a budget, the Voodoo VR1 is kind of an entry-level um, ribbon microphone that I actually use to record some classical stuff. And I'm very cool. pleased with the way it sounds. Yeah. And it sounds very natural, but it doesn't it, it, it kind of attenuates the high, breathy, reedy, buzzy sound. It doesn't remove it, but it doesn't bring it out like a condenser microphone does. Right. And ribbon mics don't need phantom power, but they're very gain hungry. It means you you have to really turn up your input. Right. So I will just say anyone out there who wants to start experimenting with recording classical, and we'll dive into this in a whole other episode. Yeah. But um, ribbon microphones sound so good for, and I would bet this recording engineer, ask her if you don't mind. We'll talk I'm going to take time. a peek. I was just thinking I'll take a closer look. I usually just ignore all yeah, that ask stuff. Her but what, I'll, what yeah, and I'll look at, I'll check out the microphone, make, maybe take a little picture. Yeah, please do. <laughs> and I would be very surprised if it's not a ribbon microphone. But we section. are also recording in a hall. We're recording in Baldwin Auditorium, yeah. which has a beautiful sound. And classical musicians very often prefer to give, um, make a recording that sounds like we're in a hall. Right. She will have some close mics too, but right. there will be room, room mics. mics. Yeah, and yeah. The, she'll, you know, be working with the balance between the close mics and the and the room mics. So, so that, yeah, it's really exciting. She's, she's phenomenal. 
Well, that's really yeah. cool. So I'm excited. So, about so that. how long of a, of a time chunk do you have? So, how how long is the work you're recording? The this movement is about ten minutes, and we'll have from about one to about five thirty. Okay. So we have four and a half hours, which sounds like forever for ten minutes of music, but you would be you. surprised because we will be so picky. I'm that. so constantly uh, not surprised by how much mm. more time you you need than you think. Yep. And also, so if you ever if you've never gone to a recording session before, do you just go in and start playing Sue? Oh, no. First, yeah, you <laughs> got to do a bunch of mic tests, and so you don't want to blow it all out on those first right. few you gotta takes. Get, you gotta get I have levels good. and. I'm notorious for like doing my best playing in the first three takes. And I have to just kind of pace myself a little bit to make sure that I play good enough that if those are the takes that end up getting used, that that's fine. So I can't have mistakes and stuff. Right. But I have to be a little bit careful about just bringing it off take one and take two. And so that I have to kind of pace myself because I'm just kind of notorious for that. And usually the whole group needs a take or two to sort of settle in. Right. And it's usually, you know, take three or four that are the ones you're going to end up with. This is really funny. When I record um, with the Sonanauts, it's usually the first or the second take. We'll do like five or six, but then yeah. like, no, I think we got what we needed in the second one. That's I usually kind of the prefer my playing jazz. in the first two yeah, takes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to try to remember that they usually don't like their playing until take three or four. It's right. just knowing the people you're recording with. So when I record solo stuff or even solo with piano, if Inara's playing the piano, she's perfect all the time, honest to God. So yeah. I, I go ahead and, and just bring it. I mean, during the sound checks, I save something, but first two takes, that's pretty much all I ever do when I do solo stuff. Right. If, if something's really gnarly and I'm I'm just stumbling, you know, it might take me three yeah. or four takes on stuff. Can I, can I ask yeah. a question? If, yeah. If we need to edit yeah. this out, we all, who's who's paying for this recording? Um, or how did you fund I, this recording? The, so roughly, the, the Chompy String Quartet has. So let me see your checkbook. Yeah, no. yeah, it's not me. Yeah. yeah, in fact, I'm getting paid. So this is awesome for me. I, I would do it for free, but don't tell them that because it's such a thrill for me to play with them. But um, the Chompy String Quartet has a budget for recordings, and I think the um, composition area might be chipping in on this since okay. we're recording music by Duke composers. Right. So I'm not 100% sure, but all I know is everybody involved is is being compensated oh, that's fantastic. decently. So it's a real pro situation. It's fun. Because so often we record. I know exactly what you mean. Mm-hmm. So often we're recording and we, we're paying for it or we're calling in favors from friends and right. everything's now, on a shoestring budget. Yeah, 99% yeah. of classical saxophones that aren't being funded through grants or through their university it's a it's a money losing venture. Yeah, um, my my album Into Worlds, Mark recorded it for me. He did all the editing. Right. Um, I sat together with him and listened for hours and helped choose takes. And we paid to have it put out on um, Innova Records. Right. So you know it costs us thousands of dollars to to create that CD. You know, but right. it was a, a labor of love, and you know I'm I'm so Wait. proud of that album, but. Yeah, I mean, I think I got $500 in funding from the Arts Council or something like that. So that was helpful. Yeah, but, but you, I you mean, blew it on beer and onion rings. Weekend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then I came up with, you know, five grand out of our own pocket. Right. You know, I got some back through record sales back in the day when people were still buying uh, CDs. But, you right. know, basically I've got boxes of those CDs sitting in my in my cellar. And it's like one of the projects I've done in my life that I'm the most proud of. So I want to, like, revive it in the next year or two and add videos and do some live performances of that. Yeah. And just give away the CD as, I don't know, oversized coaster. Well, <laughs> yeah. I was talking about this with my friend, Tyler Anderson, um, who does the YouTube channel for get a sax, great recording engineer, great saxophonist. Yeah. And we're talking about like, 
at this point, like, you know, it's a lot of people want to include the CD in their Kickstarter or whatever. Like, at yeah. this point, it's just like, let's just not do the CD. Let's do a T-shirt or something. Let's do yeah, a I coaster, just, a, a beanie hat. I just don't even know what to do anymore. Nothing. I, yeah. And it's like, it's some cost fallacy. Like, you have these CDs, yeah. but, like, no one has an optical player anymore. Right. It's just not me. on. You can't, you can't buy a Mac computer that has them. My car doesn't have one. My old car has one. Okay. My car, my red car. Yeah. I mean, a few of us still... Hang on to those CD players I know, I know. to be I know, able to I know play the, our CDs, but no, nobody wanted. But yep. like, nope, I give, I, I can't give them to my students. They were like, "What am I supposed to do with this?" You know? Right. I mean, I would honestly like if, if say, I were supporting your album, and I paid twenty dollars yeah. for the Kickstarter. I don't want the little chunk of plastic that right. I can't use. I would rather have a mini poster, yeah. which would actually cost you less, but be more right. valuable to me, right? Because I can hang it on my wall and enjoy it. That would yeah. actually be. It would cost yeah. you less, and I would rather have that if you said for. The $20 Kickstarter, yeah. you get the digital download, which ain't nobody want. Yeah. <laughs> or you, you can, can have, just go listen you can to have it on this Spotify little disc with this Apple tiny music. little uh, CD sleeve pocket, or you can have this, this um, you know, uh, you know, little mini poster side yeah. by side. I take the mini poster every yeah. time. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, we'll come up with a cool Kickstarter yeah. or something to, to yeah. kind of revive this album because people yeah. need to hear this. Oh, it's a, I think it's a great album. I oh, was even fantastic. just listening to it the other day and going, hey, Actually, I can still listen to that, which, you know, usually most people can't say that about their own stuff years later. No, most of us are, are modest. So yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so I'm, I'm wishing you, though. Oh, one uh, thing I wanted to bring gosh, up, a little, yeah. a little point about recording, um, is that usually it takes at least an hour, at least to set up, get levels, things yeah. like that. And one thing I was, I will admit, I didn't know because it was before the internet, my first recording session, is that you're on the recording engineer's dime. Or not their dime. Yeah. They're, you're paying them. You're paying them. To set up. Yeah. So when you go to the recording studio, they figure out what they need. They bring out, the, I mean, they may have a, a few things set up. Yeah. But you pay for that setup time. So you need to of include course. that in your yeah. budget. Oh. I, did, well, I didn't know oh. that. When my first, like back I in the 90s. I you're saying. You don't just pay for so the, I thought, like, when you right, start pushing I can, record. I can record yeah. for two hours. It'll cost me this much money. I scrape yeah. together my grad school money and they get yeah. there in like an hour and 15 minutes in. I was like, oh God. Yeah. 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 So just a pro tip for those that Yeah, that's a really good There's so point. much more information out there now. So now like if kids have read uh The Beaching or the what's that other dude that wrote that book on Cutler? Which yeah, like yeah. those people, you know, those books we, yeah. those books weren't around. They weren't those books weren't even around back then. Yeah, we yeah. had Music Through the Looking Glass, which was a publication of the Concert Artist Guild that I didn't even know existed back yep, then. I didn't either. But like that talked about that. But like yeah. I mean, I was I was completely unaware. Yep. Nope. Pre-internet days. So yeah, you gotta you gotta pay for setup and, and, and setup. So yeah. good luck today. Well Sue. thanks. Yeah. I'm, and and I'm try not to, to think it. too much about the fact that you're using brand new equipment and, <laughs> and how unwise this is. Don't think about that. Don't think about well, that. Well, the really cool thing about this piece is that it really is a soprano saxophone feature. It's not that the quartet doesn't have important stuff because they they do. And I've been trying really, really hard, you know, over the past year playing with these guys to like make sure that I was being clear, easy to follow, and that I was mm-hmm. matching with them. And the other day, so Xiaomeiku, who's one of the violinists in the group, took me aside and said, you know, she said, I notice when I watch you play with your saxophone quartet, how you breathe together and how you shape things. And she said, so would you please do more of that when you play with us instead of like, kind of deferring to them and following them and kind of trying to like, you right. know, not rock the boat. She asked me to take a little bit more ownership and a little bit more leadership. And I thought about that and I thought, you know, she's really right. I've been trying so hard to like 
you know, I'm, you always have a little bit of imposter syndrome when you play the saxophone and you're playing with these world-class string players because the string players are at the top of the heap when it's in the classical music world, right? And we're like yeah. Yeah, saxophone yeah. players and I'm always feeling like I'm too loud or I'm too, you know, not classy enough and no, all of that stuff. No, the first time I played the, the Hindemith uh, trio, yeah. the viola student you know I played exactly was just looked I mean. at me and was like, that's awfully loud. And yeah, like, and this well, you're gets in our stupid. Yeah, this gets that? in our head, and we've yeah. our whole lives been, you know, kind of treated like second class citizens, which we are. Yeah, it, it's so- called resonance, Aaron. <laughs> it's called resonance, <laughs> and I has but it. I really appreciated that I got asked to actually just be me and play my way, and just not try to be an oboe. I'm not an oboe, you know, and I've been trying really hard to be an oboe. There's this season's and T-shirt. So, I am yeah. not an oboe. I am not an oboe. Yes, so, oboe. Yeah. So anyway, and with the recording, the thing is, so really, if I'm too loud or, you know, whatever, they can turn me down and they can turn the strings up because of all the close the mics. So I, I'm just going to go in there and I'm just going to play how I play. And if it's, you know, it is what it is. I play how I play. I, I can't go be somebody I'm not because I can only be me. So there, yeah. yay. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there, there's a there's a lesson. Here's the other Next thing. Next week, Sue's going to tell us, you know what, Wally, I actually, this time I tried not being me. <laughs> and guess what? I liked it better. Yeah. I know. <laughs> no, but here's another thing. I actually made sure that I got a good night's sleep. Oh. So my, so, my son has yeah. end of year, like, testing. You know, you know yeah, how they do. I do. He goes, yeah. he goes to a. Um, it's not a public school, but they still have like you know testing, yep. or whatever. And like, man, the teachers are like crazy about like sleeping and then like yeah. eating a good breakfast. Yeah. And, and like my son, who is a rule follower. Yeah. This morning I was like, hey, dude, you want some cocoa Dino bites, which is the generic for cocoa pebbles, right? Because it's not that I don't want to. It's not that I'm so cheap I won't buy name brand cereal. It's just yes, that no. <laughs> I don't want all the extra cardboard. Whereas oh. Malto meal cereals have this big old three pound bag. That's the same thing, only it's in a plastic bag. So, oh, like, you, you have less just like. So, you don't waste all that stuff. Well, I don't care about the trash. waste. I just care about <laughs> space in my pantry. <laughs> and so I was like, hey, dude, you want some Cocoa Dino bites? Awesome. He's like, Dad, I can't. And I was like, what do you mean you can't have Cocoa Dino bites? Like, my teacher said they're going to ask us what we had for breakfast and, and what time we went to bed last night. And I was like, well, first of all, your little Gestapo teachers don't get to dictate what you eat. And if I say you're eating Cocoa Dino bites. <laughs> you did not say that. Okay. You said, what would be a healthy breakfast? What's well, so funny? I was, I, was like, I was like, buddy. <laughs> If you think cornflakes are any healthier than cocoa dynamite, yeah, you're, you're crazy. I, I, I got yeah. news for you. Yeah. Your body's going to process. They're just puffed corn with a slight cocoa flavoring. It's all going to wash out in the end. But he looked at me and he's like, no, Dad, the teacher said. I was like, well, when did oh, I lose d- ground d- to the teacher? Yeah, right? <laughs> all right. the time, what is, Wally, but all like, the time. But like standardized <laughs> testing, a recording session, we need a good night's sleep. Yep. We need that. And um, other thing I've, I've seen is that if, if the recording session is at a time that you normally don't, play your instrument is yeah. start doing it at that time. I have been practicing at that time. That's, That's funny. I didn't even think about that. I have been practicing when possible in the afternoon. Yep. Look at you. Yeah. Other, know, so you're doing everything up. smart except well, for the whole like changing mouth. <laughs> but I'll tell you, good thing I changed mouthpiece. I'm going to sound you know, a lot so, better. But you are funny. You, <laughs> you, I thought you wouldn't be surprised though, because it's a Van Doren SL3. No, I'm not. They're that, I'm so not, consistent. They're, they're boringly they're, consistent. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean that in a good way. Like, yeah. I um so my friend Jack at the Boston Sack Shop has a line of mouthpieces that are, that are seriously hand worked. Oh, and they're about four hundred dollars for the alto, and so he sent me a couple, and yeah. I kept one. I sent the others back, and like they had slightly different characters. Yeah, and they all played very well. That's the thing about when you have human hands, and it's kind of like 
it's you have find it's like a summer mark six <laughs> or in, yeah, let's yeah. Be honest, any summer you find right. one that's you and that's right. a draw but uh, i made that comment in my review of the summer supreme and or of the did you get no, in trouble for that not in trouble no, it wasn't the supreme oh. it was jack's mouthpiece and it's like i don't see how inconsistency is a plus i was like that's what oh, oh, otherwise oh, 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 yeah. what is the point of handmade you uttered muppet yeah like you're like i don't understand why that's a draw i was like well handmade means it's slightly special to you that's why or you're telling me they're inconsistent i was like they're do you ever buy cheeses human. in Europe? They're different. They're, they're not always the same. And that's what makes them so great. Special. They're so special because like you, it's to never going to, I mean, because the cows right. are eating different stuff at different seasons. Right. It's it's actually more normal for things to be different than right. for everything to be exactly the, the same. The, 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 this this fact that I could change yeah, mouthpieces. Yeah, but Van Doren mouthpieces like are not hand-finished because you cool. can tell by right. the, the slight machining lines. Yes, you can see them, yeah. Uh, but they're so consistent. So, yep. I mean, like, but that's the... For a working musician as yourself, it's almost more of a tool than a piece of art. Yeah. And but guess what I love about my Supreme is it was that. Free? No, I wish. Oh. Uh, is that it's kind of different from everybody else's. Right. It's mine. And I tried four of them and I liked this one the best. And it's, it's becoming my, my new, like, it's, I love it. This I just is my love it. supreme. It, there are it, others like it, but this one is mine. This is mine, and it just—I'm starting. To, my fingers are starting to feel like in contact with the keys in that way that makes it feel like mine. And I'm starting to learn the response on the different notes, and I'm getting rid of old fixing tuning habits that I needed for my old instrument that I don't need on this one. Right, and it's different from everybody else's supreme. It's mine, and I'm finding a way to make it sing for me. And I'm telling you, I am loving the Aww. sound of this instrument. Every once in a while, something will gap out on me because I'm not used to it yet. But the sound, I'm playing this in, in lessons this week. A lot of lessons have included playing duets because it's the last lesson of the semester. It's past our last recital. The students are in the middle of final projects. They're not practicing. So they come in. So I've been playing a lot of duets. You, you don't just put in a VHS of Amadeus? <laughs> No, but that's a good idea. No, yeah. but I'm getting to play on my Supreme. Oh, and I'm yeah. playing duets with all my students, so I'm able to, like, check tuning and response. Right. And what I'm able to do with the timbre variations, oh, I'm just loving that horn. That's I was so a little exciting. bit nervous a week or two after I bought it, you know. Remember right. that? But I have I had it worked on, and it's sealing up really nicely. Everything is sealed. Oh, I love it. That's oh. fantastic. And I open the case, and I still go, oh, new saxophone, how pretty. That is <laughs> and now I can't wait for them to to get to work on the soprano because I want I want a, a soprano supreme. But you know the tenor is out. I know. And it's, it's out now. Yay. And it's very it's, reason, it's very reasonably priced. Yes. <laughs> well, if you're if you're a violinist, you're thinking, okay, that's a pretty good bow now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, nope. The tenor is out, so I'm not going for the tenor because I don't play enough tenor for it to be right. worth it to me. But if I was a tenor player, I'd be all on checking it out. I'd be all over that. I'm I'm waiting for the soprano. I'm saving my uh, okay, I'm okay. saving my Sue, pennies. Sue, we have not gotten a check from the Summer Corporation. Oh, should I write to them? So like, <laughs> I just say tap it down. Okay. Yeah, I don't even promote my stuff. That I own. I didn't even know. need a new Alto. Okay. I mean, really. It was silly. Yeah. But see, I don't have to buy a sports car now. I got a new saxophone. You know, find <laughs> someone that looks at you the way that Sue, Sue looks at Selmer. <laughs> I do want, have you seen that? You know, find someone that looks at you the way, you know, whatever the, these oh, memes. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. want to have this picture of, uh, there's this video. The way you, your dog looks at you. Isn't that the expression? Right, right. But I want to say, so there's this, um, There's I paused a video of um, Dave Brubeck Quartet playing live. 
And I want to have find someone that looks at you the way that Dave Brubeck looks at Paul Desmond during a solo. And you can see Brubeck <laughs> on the piano with that big Cheshire sh- grin and just the love in his eyes looking yeah. at Paul Desmond. Well, you can't blame him, that guy. I mean, Paul Desmond, what a beautiful player. I know. I what love a it. beautiful player. Absolutely Holy cow. Every yeah. note's absolutely intentional. Yeah. So tasty. Yeah, he, he so jokes about being the world's slowest saxophone player, but it's... Well, that's what I love about it. Yeah, that is yeah. slow. Just you can hear every note. No, that I know he what you mean. There, <laughs> that doesn't sound like a lot of just digital regurgitation. Right. M- digital mean like finger right. memory, yeah. not right. Like those and ones. Yeah, right, exactly. Those and ones, digital yeah. alphabet serial. We got a question. We got a question. Okay. You want to read the question? We got so a bunch. You can tell we'll that we haven't, we haven't seen each other in a while. There's so I much. Know. God, we could just blab on all afternoon, but I have to go. <laughs> I have to go do this recording. I got stuff you too. You got stuff too, Wally. Got some leftover you got Chinese to, to eat. <laughs> oh, that sounds really good. Can Actually, I it really is. It's, 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 it's really quite good. Oh, I want your suggestion yeah. on a good local Chinese restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Gourmet we'll China, the Kung Pao chicken is really good. Cool. Awesome. This is not the question. <laughs> <laughs> I picked up, up a the wrong piece sheet. of paper. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the Russia. No, this is it. Which one is it? Oh, oh, it's I know. The they journaling. were asking about the journaling, journaling. the practice okay. journal. You can, and, yeah, you can so, broad stroke the question yeah, if you so, want. Yeah, because uh, let's see. Joshua. It's just Joshua. Joshua okay. says, hey, what are the results from your practice log question? I use a spiral notebook, but there has to be a better way. Maybe a custom layout for field notes or something. Well, whatever. Um, anyway, so so did I ju- did you just whatever one of our listeners? <laughs> well, because I'm like, this, that sounds too fancy, Joshua. But hey, if that works for you, but the spiral no, notebook—that's well, no, 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 exactly no, no, what I did. Okay, okay. I did Hold a spiral on. notebook, just, just like it. Yeah. Okay, give me one second. Okay, Joshua, I'm with you. I want a custom <laughs> practice notebook that actually has the fields that yeah. are already in there and printed. Yeah. So if you would like a Saxophone Academy practice journal <gasps> with our suggested fields and things. Let us know. We should make one. I, I want to make one just for my own personal use. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Well, I was thinking about this question. I was thinking about my little, my cute little spiral notebook. The uh, re- decomposition book. Decomposition book that recycled. I paid too much money for at the Deep Roots Co-op. When you were dumpster diving with the hipsters, exactly. yes. Exactly. You okay. see, you remember everything. I do. And so I was, you know, keeping track of things. And what what was really great about keeping a practice log was exactly the stuff you said what happened, Wally. It made me, I, it gave me motivation to practice because I was like, I was ashamed if I had to write in my practice right. journal that I didn't practice at right. all today. <laughs> Captain's Whoopsies. log, day six. Zilt. Slept in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, I don't know, didn't get to yeah, it. We Oopsies. saw some Klingons, I guess. I don't know. Captain's yeah. log, day, yeah. So it, it actually did motivate me a little bit because I really didn't want to have to go back and look at didn't practice. And then, right. and, and the other thing was I saw patterns in like days and times and what I played. And I was pleasantly surprised that I actually do practice in the way that I say I do practice. So I'm not just lying to everybody. I hope you put on a real <laughs> smug face when you saw that. And like, oh. mm, yes. I actually was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I expected that. Yeah, no, that stuff I tell people I do, I don't actually do it. But so the one thing I realized after a while was that it would be nice to be able to see a month at a time or like several weeks at a time so I could see patterns that develop in the Sunday through Saturday or Monday through Sunday, depending on how your calendar works. It would be really nice to be able to like say, okay, so February, how many minutes were spent on long tones? You know, 
uh, yeah. March. How many minutes were spent on? Yeah, like yeah, and a month at a time to be able to see, like, oh, on Mondays I have a tendency X Y Z, and on Tuesdays or on weekdays, oh, I see, I practice more at this time on Saturdays and Sundays or whatever it is to see the to see the patterns of when I practice and right. and what I I practice, and I made little notes about if I was feeling really like tired and I didn't want to practice, but I practiced anyways, which isn't good grammar. Um, you know, things like that would be nice to see like a month view. Anyway, that was my take from it. Right. And then you'd be able to see where your playing's at. Yeah, exactly. No, that was the joke. I mean, I know I, you're talking about book grammar. I, I know. I ended, a, I ended a sentence with, with the preposition. With a dangling preposition. Those, your, your English teacher is going to go, Wally, didn't you listen in class? Uh, I don't know where <laughs> she's at. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so, so that what's your take on the practice journal? Did you do it? No. <laughs> At I, least I did it. <laughs> so I I have this terrible thing where I spend a lot of time playing, recording educational materials. Oh, yes. And it feels like practice, but it's not. So I'm trying to so I'm trying to engineer the perfect practice session. Now bear with me. This sounds cool. like a yeah. long excuse. Like, you know, did you do any work? No, it's daydreaming. But about the project. But it really was. So one of the things I'm trying to figure out is like, what do I want to do first to get in the head? Headspace is important before we engage. Being in the right mindset, being in the right kind of like getting your, your head straight, your body straight, your breathing straight. Yeah. So I'm experimenting with getting in the kind of body-mind space of especially in jazz where the feel is it's indescribable, but it's so critical. Or in classical, I can put in the metronome and I can execute. I'm not saying classical is easy. No, I understand. No, easier, no, no, no. But jazz, it's such a different thing. The, the totally nuance fair. of swing feel, I have to get, and then when you're improvising, it, the rhythm and the feel is more important than the notes you played. Full stop. And so I've started doing this thing where I'm putting on a record. I mean, like literally, if you look over in the new incubator Yay. that we have here, I actually have set up my, my turntable the top row there is going to be nothing but um, 1950s West Coast jazz records, cool school. And so I want to put on and get in the feel of my heroes, kind of live in their shoes in that in that that vibe, yeah. and then get into my practice session. So I've kind of been experimenting with just putting on a record and pretending like I'm the fifth member of the quartet. And then I solo over the the, the, the pianist solo, because awesome. who, who gives a crap about the pianist? <laughs> but you know what I mean? But like, so I, I play along with Zoot Sims, and then when the pianist has a solo, the just I just turn pan to the other side, and I pretend like I'm playing a gig with Zoot Sims. But nice, it's, it's yeah. really been transformative me to, to not start, and this kind of goes against what I've taught from, well, we're both just like going back on our advice. <laughs> But yeah. so instead of starting with exercise zero even or starting with my scales or my technique or my long tones, I'm starting with getting in the shoes of that feeling and then going in and recording. And I'm feeling it's, it's, it's lightening things up, making me less mechanical and more getting me in the right headspace. Cool. And, you know, because we're not in the 19... Here's a, here's a groundbreaking thought. So yes. It's not the 1950s anymore. What? So, what I, so like, you know, you think like, you know, the day-to-day -day life of, of Zoot Sims, you get up, you turn on the radio, you're going to hear jazz. You know right. what I mean? Like you go to your jazz gig, you play right. your jazz session. You, you know what I mean? Like you're on tour with your band. That's not reality for us. We don't live with this music in our ears 24-7. Right. Same with classical music. Same with classical music. You can't music. just hear it on the radio. Right. Yeah, and so it's not the same. Stuff. Like we don't have the same day-to-day -day existence as Bernstein did. Right. And so I think kind of like getting in that world a little bit at the beginning of my practice session has been highly helpful. It's great. Yeah. And so you're playing along a little bit. 
No, I'm literally or just getting, listening. Yeah. No, I'm playing along. Yeah. Um, so, so that's that's really really active listening plus yeah. participating too. It's more yeah. than just listening. Yeah, and I've been listening a ton more in the past year to all kinds of music, but in particular to saxophone music and classical saxophone music. I've been listening more to jazz too. But I I have found like playlists of classical saxophone music that I've been making for my students and really enjoying it. I'm listening to it in the car and... I, so I team taught a class with Larry Todd over at Duke this semester. Ain't nobody knows who that is. Mm. You can't just throw out that name. Larry Todd, uh, our Larry Todd. So he's like an editor. For our Larry Todd? We own him our now? Our period. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what the R stands for. I'll have to ask him. Okay. Professor Doctor, Hair Doctor Professor Todd over at that there Duke University. He's a musicologist. A institution. Yeah. Yes, he's a musicologist. Fantastic. He's like, if a, if a musicologist could be a rock star, I told him the other day that he it's been such a pleasure, quote well, unquoa, like, teaching okay, this whoa, class. Whoa, 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 He's a rock star. Wait, wait, wait. wait I if, gotta tell you. Okay. That's class has been great, Wally. Okay. If you just said if a musicologist could be a rock star, that's the thing. If a sloth could be a fighter well, he jet. Laughed. Yeah, he laughed at yeah. that too. He's like, Yeah, no, I don't think those two two things yeah. go in the same yeah. <laughs> in the same sentence, Sue. <laughs> if a pudding could be a smartphone. <laughs> I mean, it's just yeah. like, it's just... <laughs> but anyway, so the class is an art of performance class, history of chamber music, during which the students also learned some chamber music pieces and performed them and did presentations. But most of the class was uh, Larry going through, um, starting with duos and then trios and quartets and quintets of really famous chamber music pieces. Right. And then we would watch scores and listen to really awesome performances of these pieces. Also talk about the composers and historical facts and figures and things like that. It was amazing to be forced, quote unquote, to sit in this classroom looking at scores of, you know, Beethoven, Dvorak, Brahms, Mozart, blah, 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 Haydn, and listen, listen at the same time, listen to really top-notch performers and how they do balance. You know, like if you could always hear where the melody was, even though everybody was marked mezzo forte, but somebody's right. mezzo forte was the melody mezzo forte, and somebody else's mezzo forte was the baseline mezzo forte. We could call that melody and, forte, right? Exactly, melody forte. Oh, I like that. Well, there's and and so, but this is something we struggle with all the time in chamber music and in music in general when you play to make sure that the thing that the audience is supposed to hear as the main thing at every single moment is right. the thing that they hear. And it's really surprisingly hard to do that. And you take it for granted. And then you look at this and then to see how they handled little rubato things and how they played exactly together. When there's an accent, they don't go ta like saxophonists do, you know, ta, 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 you know, it'd be like, <laughs> yeah. you know, just to see how they handle articulation and how the notation of the articulation corresponds it's, to what they it's do. A, the notation I spent a whole semester is, doing is, that is kind not of a mechanic, it's a suggestion yeah. of a sound, it's a recipe. When you, when you talk about like, you know, have you ever been in a saxophone quartet? I'm going to be very yes. careful here. Where <laughs> the same kind of person that would say, the tuner says I'm in tune. Even yes. though you're pitch- There's also the same kind of person would say, hey, I think you can back off. And they go, I'm Mark Mezzo Forte. Yes, yes, exactly. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and they have an accent and they're going, ta. And you're like, okay, I know you have an accent on that note, right. but it, it feels like it could be, right, but it's Mark accented. Yeah. And exactly. It's Mark Forte. So it's so I'm a 440. great to listen to music. And I have an idea for an album I want to talk about with you next time. Okay, next week. Of a saxophone quartet 
we can talk about it next time, where these guys, oh my gosh, they play so beautifully. The balance is great. It's so tasteful. What are we going to listen to so everyone can start to listen to oh, it in advance? It's it's the Quatuor Ellipsos, I think is how you say that. The Ellipsos Quartet, it's a French quartet, so Quatuor. And um, they have a lot of albums, but the album that... Um, I learned about them from... And we're going to talk about next from week. Which I, is called... The title of the album is Bolero, after okay. Ravel's Bolero. And there is, in fact, an arrangement of Bolero on there. But For there's Central music... Quartet. Yeah. And they have, like, um, some... Uh, you have to have the snare drum. So there's a snare drum. So the alto few, player pulls out a snare drum. No, they play saxophone. <laughs> and okay. there's some others, a couple other instruments with that. But they do music by Ravel, by Piernay, um... It's gorgeous music. Uh, yeah, you, you should go check out this album. It's called Bolero by the Ellipsis Saxophone Quartet. E L L I P S O S. So it's Is not that your like, final answer. Yes. Okay. Ellipsis. Yes. Quartet, I looked it up. Yeah. Bolero. And it's a French quartet. They are fantastic. And we're going to talk about that next. And week. they have music of Thierry a sketch, including that famous piece Tango Virtuoso. Yeah. That um, a lot of people know, but I love their interpretation. It's not. Fast as fast could be. It actually. I will talk about that next. Yeah. Don't, don't talk, give it, no, no, don't, don't give, give away, away too much. Away. Anyway, yeah. I think they play beautifully. But anyway, my point taking us back to listening is that I have been doing a lot more listening lately, and I love that on YouTube you can go and there are so many recordings now with the score and fantastic recordings. Right. And being able to watch the score and see how these great performers interpret the score and just pay attention to good performers and their balance and these little details of articulation and uh, it's just and it's the, really great. those markings, it's not the truth. It's an indication of a sound that needs to happen that's really yeah. the tradition of don't, music making. Don't check your ears and your brain at the door. When you go to play right. music, you have to bring your good taste and your good sense about music. Right. And you don't get that if you haven't listened. I was working, last to note, was I was working with a student the other day who is learning to play jazz. He's very much a beginner at jazz. And, you know, we're working on, like, blues and things like that. I can help him out as a beginner. But I said, really, honest to God, the best thing you can do, he's a graduating senior, so this is my last piece of advice to him, was go listen to recordings. So when you go to improvise, you have any idea of what you want to play. Right. You got to, I mean, you you can't start from a blank slate in your brain. Right. You know, Charlie Parker listened to a lot of jazz before he played jazz. Yes. And so everybody else, I just picked a first name that came to my mind. So go listen. listen. But I love this idea of starting your practice session by getting in that headspace. Yeah. And you're going to do exercise zero at some point in your practice. Oh, no, 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 no. You're going to do yeah, scales. But, but I think that's cool. I'm not sure that we always have to start with that that same warm-up every time. I generally do. Right. No, I mean. It's, I think it's, it's okay to do something else first. Yeah, and this has been helpful, this playing cool. along with the records. Now, there was a terrible SNL skit where it was the fifth member of the Beatles, and it was Phil Hartman on trombone. All right, Phil, <laughs> And it was like this whole skit about the, the unknown fifth member of the Beatles, and it was Phil Hartman, a character played by Phil Hartman, but he was on trombone. Oh, jeez. So, like, there are times where, like, I'm playing, I'm putting on per musical perfection, Zoot Sims Quartet, yeah. and then I'm kind of playing along with it. <laughs> I so see. It's, for, yeah. it's kind of sacrilegious in a way, but ah. it's it's kind of in I, I do it lovingly and in reverence. And it makes your practice session more fun. I'm having a blast. So then that's huge. Anything yeah. you can do that makes you want to practice, 
which Go apparently is not journaling for you. And that's it's not like, anymore. You failed. No, I'm done. Yeah. I did it. Been there, done that. You mouthpiece swapping, <laughs> journal stopping, <laughs> terrible person. I have so much motivation because of preposition like, sentence ending. <laughs> I'm just motivated by sheer terror of being terrible on stage. So I have no, no problem with motivation. Yeah. So find a way to motivate yourself. Get a gig. And uh, <laughs> let's do that. Or play with recordings. Woohoo. So so good to see you. Oh, we'll, great to see you. We'll be back next Wally. week to talk about a great recording Yay. that we're gonna get everyone listening to and answer some more listener questions and talk about some other cool stuff. Sounds and like fun. I'll be there. Have a great week. And <laughs> good luck too. at the recording session. Thank you. And until next time. Go practice. Go practice. Bye guys.